Welcome back to the Across the Board Podcast. I'm your host, Chandler Adams, here today with the one and only John Spider Kaufman. We're here to cover the NFL draft for you, specifically the quarterback position. You know the big names, Burrow, Tua, Herbert. What about some other guys? What, where will they fall? Where do we think Burrow, Tua, Herbert, where do we think they stand in the rankings? You know, are they going to be the guy that changes your franchise or are they just going to be another one drafted? Find that all out and more right after this break. Across the Board Sports is brought to you by Thrive Fantasy. Daily prop bets for all kinds of sports where thousands of dollars are up for grabs every single day. Want free money? Use the code ATB at sign up for a free $10. Download the free app in the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store. And don't forget, use the code ATB at sign up for a free $10. Across the board sports. Unique sports coverage. This podcast is also brought to you by Anchor.fm. Anchor.fm is so easy to use. It's simple, it's fast, it's effective. It's the easiest way to distribute your podcast to every major platform and in the quickest way. I've gone through other websites to host podcasts, and it's a pain in the butt. Anchor does it for you. Join anchor.fm and do your podcast the right way. And if you're looking to start a podcast, contact one of us at ATV Sports as we're looking for podcasters for nearly every professional sports team right now. If you think you'd be a good fit... You can also apply at our website, www.atbsports.net. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning back into the Across the Board podcast. Like I said, I'm here with John, the spider, the wise guy, Kaufman. We're just going to keep coming up with nicknames. They're too good. We're just going to keep saying them. Uh, <laughs> What's going we, on, buddy? Oh, not too much. I'm glad to be back doing some NFL draft stuff. Man, this it's so exciting. And I was just telling you, John, but for the listeners out there, I know it just sounds I know it sounds false, but last year I had my own rankings down on a piece I had this notebook, you know, doing positional rankings, but I didn't put it on my podcast or anything. And I had Gardner Minshew at number two. Whew. But I doubt he ends up being the number two quarterback out of that class. But he had a hot year, so it would have been good. Good look. But we're back today with quarterback rankings. We're going to drop about, uh, I think it's uh, nine or ten quarterbacks on you. We're going to do the consensus consensus top seven-ish that you hear about, uh, ESPN and stuff like that. And then we've each got a couple of under-the-radar possible, you know, day three pickups that might it might do something we've we probably found the next tom brady i won't undersell <laughs> it so uh without further ado we're gonna oh sorry one more thing <laughs> so uh we're going to be doing positional rankings hopefully at least once a week you know we will try to mix it up so it's not just bland position 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 we'll try to stay on asking you guys questions on social media or however you reach out to us if you have specific questions about players but uh, basically i don't know how john does his you know mine's an accumulation of watching them over the season going back and watching the games again 
and I'm not going to say I don't read other sources like the Draft Network, ESPN, McShay and Kuiper. I take that all in, even Matt Miller or whatever his name is at Bleacher Report. Like I want everybody's thoughts so I can see where my thought is. And so I think this is going to be a really good getting out and accumulation of all these, not just ESPN pushing out, you know, SEC schools, not just Bleacher Report pushing out the name that's going to get them a click on their alert. So, John, I'm excited. I think this is going to be a really fun way for people to learn more about the quarterback prospects this year. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I mean, whether your team needs a quarterback or not, um, you know, obviously it's the most important position in all the sports. And, you know, getting this right, getting it wrong, you know, it changes things big time, obviously, for your franchise. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, you know, it, it's it's neat. Uh, it, it's I guess the best thing about quarterback, you know, regardless of who you're a fan of, so if you're a Bills fan, um, you know, you've got your quarterback, you have Josh Allen, so you think, okay, well, you know, I don't need to really – I don't need to worry about quarterback this year, but, but that's the thing. You, you always have to worry about quarterback because Mm -hmm. they're going to get overdrafted, right? Like we, this happens every year. So there's going to be five, you know, four, four go in the first round this year. There's going to be, you know, probably five or six taken before, you know, we hit the middle of the third round and that's going to affect your team. So if you don't need a quarterback, you got one. Well, guess what? Every time somebody reaches for a quarterback, some other prospect that should have gone earlier falls down. So, you know, knowing, getting a sense for for these guys and their talent, their ability and where, um, you know, they're going to possibly fall in the draft, where they're going to go. I mean, that's important for, you know, every team, regardless of who you root for. So, um, yeah, so I'm excited to talk about these guys for sure. Yeah, exactly. That was very well said. And John mentioned something about, drafting and getting right can make or break your franchise it's an inexact science and john actually has an article that will be coming out sometime before the draft i'm throwing out a little teaser little teaser (laughs) but the spider the wise guy will be dropping a little uh (laughs) a little article about the science of the nfl draft and whatnot but he's got to do some study on that Without further ado, John, you ready to start with the number one quarterback in this year's draft? Yeah, let's talk about him. All right. Now, we're going off of just ESPN's rankings. They're pretty similar across the board. Uh, but first, I'll drop my top seven to you and just start sending in the crap to my doorstep. I know I'm going to get at least one bag of poop on fire for this from an LSU <laughs> fan. I got one through seven. Herbert one, Burrow two, Tua three, From four, Hertz five, Easton six, and Jordan Love seven. And then I'll save my diamond in the rough for later. John, what do you got for your ranking? Okay, so then so my personal top seven is Joe Burrow one, Tua Tagavailoa two, uh, Jalen Hurts three, uh, Justin Herbert four, Jordan Love fifth. Jacob Eason, sixth, Jacob Fromm, seventh, oh. and then Anthony Gordon, uh, I have at eighth. And then one more, uh, I got one diamond in the rough later. All right, I like that. Sorry, I was just reading an update. 
Marlon Humphrey was arrested in Miami. Ha 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 ha. Oh really? No. No, I'm not I am laughing, but was like, he was arrested for stealing a charger from an Uber driver and then stealing a thousand dollars in cash. That's I mean, that's pretty serious. <laughs> that's a pretty serious thing. One uh, of those one of those crimes sounds made up. He's an NFL player. He's stealing a charger and a thousand dollars. Yeah. A thousand dollars buys you lots of chargers, Marlon. Maybe just go for the money next time. You don't really need to steal the charger. I don't, what is he? This maybe, is what I'm it, reading. Did he steal, oh, wait, did he steal a Dodge Charger? Maybe he stole a Dodge Charger, like the actual right. car. This was fake news that was spread out by somebody. I don't know who. Ah. I gotta figure it out. That's why you read. That's why you read deeper than just saying. I had to say it out loud. No, you just instantly retweet and do not care about not uh, care. what you retweeted. Nothing. Just don't worry about it. So. All right. All right. That's that's but, that's what I learned from Twitter uh, two days ago. So. I was about to say I was laughing at that, but I don't wish for that on anybody, even Marlon Humphrey, who I do not like. Uh. Anyhow, let's get going. Burrow. Number one, I don't know. You guys have probably never heard of Joe Burrow, so I'll I'll break down his stats and stuff for you, his little story. In 2015, this kid named Joe Burrow, who, again, if you don't know, it's okay. He's not very well known. He <laughs> – all right, so all you Buckeye fans love Joe Burrow. Here's my thing with Joe Burrow. Hate me, hate me. I wish I knew a song right now that – hate me. Anyway. <laughs> All right. I don't know the stat, and I was telling John I wish I did. I wish I would have looked into it. I wish I was Warren Sharp, who just happens to know everything and walks a great mustache. Warren, I love you. Please come on the show. Um, <laughs> you, I don't know the stat, but to only have one great year of college football scares me if I'm the Bengals putting all my marbles into this. Um, it, it, oh, Let me rephrase that. It doesn't scare me to put all my marbles into this, but – I would definitely look into a trade down because Joe Burrow is has all the pressure in the world on his shoulders. Not many people are in the sports world are able to live up to the kind of pressure that the world has put on Joe Burrow, Zion the past couple of years. It's just it's getting worse and worse and worse with social media and such. But his stats from his junior year at, at LSU, basically the same weapons. They were a year younger, obviously, as wide receivers. But he had a 57% completion percentage, 16 touchdowns, and five interceptions. Now, he doubled his pass attempts this year. But, and he did get 60 touchdowns. He did have six interceptions. I'm not saying he didn't have an all-time great year. I mean, the man completed like 78% of his passes or something. 77% of his passes on 527 throws. In the SEC, that's that's impressive. That's really impressive, John. But it worries me. To I don't know. I I just I my gut. I again I have no factual basis on this. But my gut is that quarterbacks, especially that have one great year of college football, normally don't go on to lead a team to greatness in college. I mean, you look at the quarterbacks. Uh, from the last couple of years drafted er- early and Kyler Murray is the only one that doesn't have a lot of play time other than Mitchell Trubisky. And how did that work? Now, Kyler Murray is a t- completely different animal and I know I'm going way off track here, but Mitch Trubisky kind of had one year. He only played one year and he didn't pop off like 
Joe Burrow did. But you know what I mean? Like, is this making any sense, John? That he had one great, he had one year. So you get this, oh, he just did this. And it's right in the back of your head. So that's the last thing you remember. But if you just go back two seasons, he was terrible. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, well, you, you bring up two really interesting points. First, um, it, it to ignore his junior season is uh, would be a huge mistake. Um, I mean, you can't. You, I think you just have to look at Burrow and say, look, he, you know, when Joe Brady came from the Saints and uh, you know coordinated that the passing game for LSU this year, you know, we saw in, we saw one of the best college football seasons from any quarterback ever, maybe the best ever. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the numbers jump off the page. 12.5 adjusted yards per attempt. Hmm. He had 60 touchdowns and 527 attempts. That's an 11% touchdown percentage. That's insane. But he, but the year before, what you brought up, 16 touchdowns. Now, he did that. You you, uh, you think of the SEC, and, and especially in the recent history, you think, okay, well, a lot of these teams are kind of run first offenses they they typically have good running backs you know um so maybe he was just like asked to be sort of a game manager he had 379 attempts in 2018 he threw 16 touchdowns that's a four percent touchdown rate i mean it's not like he threw the ball 206 times he threw it almost 400 times with with 16 touchdowns so yeah just to just to ignore you know his junior season would be, you know, would be a mistake for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing that, you know, comparing him to Trubisky, I mean, uh, that's, that's the fear. That's the worry. Um, I think the, where there, where you might be able to draw a comparison there, because obviously Trubisky went to North Carolina and played one season of college uh, football came out, you know, and we've seen what's happened since he has, you know, he's left a lot to be desired. Um, the Burrow transferred because he couldn't beat out Dwayne Haskins. And so, you know, the comparison is Trubisky, I think it was is Marquise Williams, was the quarterback that was on North Carolina before Trubisky that he couldn't, that he kept sitting behind. So I think it was two seasons of sitting behind this quarterback. That was the concern for me. He's coming into the draft and the Bears are thinking about trading up, a, you know, going from whatever it was, four to three or three to two to take this guy and it's like, but he couldn't beat out Marquise Williams on his own team. Hmm. And so what, what about that excites you? Like one season of mediocre, you know, good college football is, is, is what it is. But you know, little stuff like that, like that, that to me, that stands out. And now I, I don't, I'm not saying that Burrow is worse than Haskins, but I think that it's a fair thing to look at that and say at Ohio state, he couldn't beat out Dwayne Haskins. And hmm. Haskins had a very subpar, you know, rookie season. Granted, he had a lot working against him and I'm not, we're not burying, you know, Haskins today, obviously, but, um, but you bring, you bring up an excellent point and those compare, I think that comparison is kind of a fair one. Um, and it's, you know, it's concerning. I mean, I think the last thing I'll say about it is this, it's, you know, we mentioned this right before recording. It's the NFL, you know, the NFL draft is, it's about, quarterback like you you have to find one if you do not have a quarterback in the nfl you don't have anything um you know coaching matters and quarterback matters and that really 
to me, that's about it. You can, I mean, we've seen Belichick and Brady win with every kind of possible composition in that roster for the last 20 years. And because those two have been, you know, the best or near the best at, you know, any given season, it just, the rest of it doesn't matter. The pieces are, you can move them around. Um, mm-hmm. But, but yeah, so you have to get a quarterback. So that's the thing. If you're Cincinnati, I, I don't know that you couldn't, like, I don't think the, it's going to be tough to pass this up. Although I will say that if, if the, uh, if the Jared Goff deal pops up, if it's a week before draft day and somebody calls me and says, I'll give you two ones, two twos and two threes for that first pick. And then you, I think they gave back a four and a six as well in that, in that, uh, draft or the, uh, what's called the, um, the Rams gave back those picks to Tennessee after, um, they gave up everything to get Jared Goff. I, I just, I don't know. I think you, you have to seriously consider that because this year we're going to talk about, you know, four or five of the quarterbacks, uh, that are going to be ranked, you know, in the top, like, well, four of them are going to go in the top 20 picks most likely. And so what if you could, you know, what if you could end up with Tua or, or Justin Herbert? I mean, you know, and then you pick up an extra, an extra first, two seconds, two thirds. I don't know. I think you have to really consider that, but yeah. So like I said, I think, I think with Burrow for me that to ignore his junior season would be a big mistake, but his senior season was something else, man. Yeah, it was. And you know, if they take him number one, nobody in the damn world is going to be shocked. And if they don't take him number one, they'll be hated forever if he's good. So you got, I, they're going to take the chance, like you said, unless that golf deal somehow appears. Absolutely. The second quarterback on the board, Tua Tungavailoa. Did I pronounce that right, John? Hold me accountable. Tagavailoa. Tagavailoa. I think that's how they usually say it. So. Yeah, I don't know what the hell I even said <laughs> now. I don't even remember. I just say stuff. So we're just going to call him Tua. The story of Tua. Everybody knows Tua. Here's the thing, John. I just sound like the Grinch. I don't love Tua either. Hmm. Now, Burrow and Tua, deadly accurate. Well, Tua's been deadly accurate his whole career. Burrow is accurate for one year. Anyway, Tua is has been injured so many times to extremities that hurt a quarterback tremendously. Now his hip think he hurt his knee. I'm pretty sure he wears a knee brace. I can't remember. And I know he's messed up his ankle. All of which you get your power from to whip the ball and obviously escape scary people in the NFL like T.J. Watt, J.J. Watt, and Miles Garrett, and so-and-so, Aaron Donald. My biggest beef with two of the player, I he does so many things great. I mean, he's a great winner. He's a great leader. He's a great kid. Deadly accurate. Can run the ball. Doesn't make stupid throws. I mean, his interception, his touchdown interception career is 87 to 11. He made Nick Saban throw the ball, which, I mean, he changed how <laughs> Nick Saban plays, which, I mean, that says a ton. However, the amount of time, if you watch film on Tua, that he has to throw the ball to three of the fastest receivers in college football, two possible top 20 picks, a at least and not two two top wide receivers he's played with numerous um 
running backs that are talented. Yep. Josh Jacobs, Harris, and then um, Williams. No, damn. Well, anyway, anyway, anyway. The amount of time he has to throw the ball terrifies me because you don't get that in the NFL. And you especially won't get that on a team that's likely to pick him in the bottom half. If Miami picks him, I they're obviously going more, like we're definitely building up. And, you know, it's going to be one more year of rebuilding because to play to think Tua is going to play this year and change your team is ridiculous. You don't want him to rush back from that horrific hip injury. Like for those, I'm mean, sure everyone listening knows this, but it's the same injury that ruined one of the greatest athlete of all time's career. Uh, obviously, m- the medical field has gone; a, it's gotten a little better since back then. But it's scary. It's scary. His injuries and the time he gets to throw the ball and his at, at Alabama with that line and those weapons terrifies me. Honestly, I. I don't know. I know I just sound like a damn Grinch right now. Like, I don't know. No, I, um, I don't, yeah, I don't think you sound like a Grinch. I mean, uh, his injury, his injuries are very concerning and, um, I don't know. I mean, that stuff is so hard to, to figure out. Um, you know, a lot of times people talk about, um, like, okay, Gronk, for instance, right? They, people would say, oh, he's injury prone. He's injury prone. Okay, but, but what does that mean? Are you saying that he, he seems to get a lot of injuries and that those things, however random, seem like they might be a pattern? Like this seems like it's, he's just a player that just gets unlucky and gets hurt? Because you certainly can't say that the injuries are predictive. Like, you know, he he broke his forearm blocking on an extra point. Like that's one of the injuries, you know, um, the, uh, what's it called? He had the Brown. It was us who, uh, they tackled him. They dove into his knee and tore his ACL. Um, I mean, these things are, you know, those things were fluky. They just happened. Um, but you know, Gronk had the back thing in college and there were other things. So, you know, I think, and I believe he previously hurt his knee, but the point is, is that, um, you know, it, Injury history is a concern, but it's, I think you really have to think about it like, okay, well, Tua got tackled weird and he hurt his hip real bad. Like, is, is that going to be a problem? Like, yeah, if you rush him back and try to get him, you know, playing right away when he's not ready, sure, that could be a huge problem. But, you know, if that heals up, I mean, I don't think it's, you know, I'm obviously not a doctor, but I don't know that that's anything that you really need to be concerned about. So, so if you're saying like, just, you know, he has an injury history and we should definitely keep that in mind and maybe not, you know, maybe this isn't a guy you trade up for, right? Like, like this isn't someone you're like, okay, we have to, we have to give away, you know, we, the Jared Goff deal doesn't happen for Tua because you're like, no, we'll just take him if he falls to us. But if not, we're not going to lose our minds trying to get a guy that has had an injury history. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it, you know, accuracy is the name of the game and there are, um, there are so few college quarterbacks that have sketchy accuracy issues that turn into, I, I th- off the top of my head, I think Matt Stafford and um, Matt Ryan are two of the best examples of college quarterbacks that were like right around 58, 59% and turned into be, you know, turned out to be good pros. Mm-hmm. 
Um, obviously Matt Ryan's slightly better, but you know, better injury history too. So, but, um, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing with your, you know, you don't have to worry about that with Tua. I mean, he's, he's as accurate as they come. He's incredible. Um, and I mean, I don't know to me, his, uh, you know, his toughness, uh, fortitude. I mean, his first game was the second half of the national championship. That that's unreal. I mean, they just put him, they just said, look, uh, Jalen is having a bad game. You got to get out there and go win this, the championship. And he's like, okay, I got it. No problem. Like that would melt some people and you would just never hear from them again. And instead he really shined. I will, I will never forget the, um, the final throw, uh, the touchdown to the back corner. I mean, that was such a, uh, shotgun snap and he looks off he looks the safety off to the right turns whips it to the back left uh pylon basically and that throw was perfect um so i don't know i mean it, you know i guess that counts in you know like uh championship moments big moments you know how does the guy do does he fade does he shine and i think Tua has plenty of examples of that so um sucks that he got injured this year because it would have made it really interesting i think you really could have had a conversation for burrow or tua as the first overall um but uh yeah maybe the durability issues you know he gets dinged for that but um yeah so if you can uh afford to give him a redshirt year i mean uh, wheels up for me i don't see really many downsides to him and um as long as he gets a chance to rest and recuperate um i like him a lot a whole lot absolutely i don't disagree with anything you said and along with all of that yeah he He's deadly accurate, like I said. He's crazy good with his eyes, moving safeties and cornerbacks, and especially linebackers sitting in a zone off of where he wants to throw. And he processes shit way quicker than a normal college quarterback ever has. The injuries and the time he's gotten to throw just scare me. But And you're absolutely right about uh, Stafford and Ryan being one of the only two. I honestly think Big Ben was one of those guys too. Mm. And he played in the Mac, which was that's super concerning if you can't yes. complete passes in the Mac. Speaking right. of that, Dustin Crum next year. Hmm. Watch yes. out for that. That's right. But, uh, speaking of long, lanky white folks like Dustin Crum, uh, Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert. <laughs> uh, okay, so as everyone knows, I have a man crush on Justin Herbert. I, I don't know what it is. Last year. I was just all in on him. He had a great year last year. Uh, he had a great year this year too, but he was just like, I. He improved his stock so much, but he disappeared in a couple big games, which does matter. But comparing his stats from eighteen to nineteen, he had sixty percent completion in eighteen, sixty-seven in nineteen. He had three hundred more yards, three more touchdowns, two less interceptions. And 156.8 rate, QB rate, passer rating. That That is a tremendous – and sorry, he was at 144 the year before. He had a tremendous season. If Joe Burrow was not in this draft, Justin Herbert would be floated around with Tua, I believe, with Tua's injury, as maybe the top pick. Justin Herbert has everything – I. His his accuracy and his velocity is good, which his velocity needs to be good. He's 6'6", 230. 
The only problem is he, just like Tua, has broken his femur and his collarbone. Not just like Tua. He's been injured like Tua. He's broken his thigh and his collarbone. He does make bad decisions when he's pressured in the big games. He does stare down receivers sometimes. Not a lot, but he, I, he, I did catch him doing that against, I think it was, they played Washington, maybe. I was watching. I don't know. And the biggest thing, they throw so many screens at Oregon. So many screens, which worries you. You know, are his interceptions less because of that? Did he get more yards because of that? Is that why his accuracy is good? And to be honest, I don't have a stat for you, like, marking out all the screen passes. I'm pretty sure PFF said he had the highest percentage of screen passes this year, if I read that right. Hmm. But all that aside, Justin Herbert has – he's like the perfect football guy and analytics quarterback. Football guy, he's 6'6", 230. Analytics, he can escape the pocket and make throws and make plays with his feet or his arm outside the pocket. And he's accurate. So the dinosaurs and the nerds should be coming together – for this guy, I, I, I don't want to make my pitch for Justin Herbert's number one pick. You'll all see. You'll all see. But outside of all the football intangibles, the kid's a 4.0 student in a, mm, some kind of medical program. I cannot remember what it was. It was on the – he was on – he got an award for it. And he is just an outstanding kid. You, you want to – after you hear him talk – you root for him instantly, and the final icing on the cake is he looks like Sonny with the helmet on. He looks like Sonny from Remember the Titans. <laughs> A little oh, server man. boy. But that's, you should have mentioned that first. That's where you start the draft report. Yeah, that's, that's why you should take him number one, Cincinnati. <laughs> but that is all the things about Justin Herbert, good and bad. Um, and Another thing is he doesn't have the weapons Burrow and Tua have had. He has never had those weapons. But I don't know. John, what do you I know you're not as nearly as high on Herbert as I am. So um yeah, I mean Okay, well, positives. Um forty one starts in college, he's only twenty one. Uh which for being a senior, that's usually you know, like Baker was what, twenty three when he came out, so yeah, kind of 24. older. Right. Kind of an older prospect. Um, so, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think if you're going to point to uh, some inconsistencies in his play, I think the thir- the first thing you should start out with is um, that what he, this is his third head coach in three seasons, right? He had, um, well, Mark Helfrich yeah. was there in 16 and then, oh yeah, Willie Taggart. They had Taggart for a season. And so, what's it called? It's crystal balls second year now. And so, you know, you finally, finally had a, a second season under the same coach. Um, I mean, I don't know, changing things up like that is just, it's hard enough as it is, um, on anyone. So much less a college, you know, quarterback, you're trying to learn new systems and new things. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's not like he ever had a season where he was just, you know, awful. Um, and, you know, you could easily write him off. Um, you know, I guess for me, it, 
you know, there's there definitely are accuracy issues. Um, I'm not I'm not thrilled with um, I don't know ball placement. Sometimes mm-hmm. there are he leaves a little bit to be desired there. I, I think my I guess the best way to put it, my biggest problem with him is I, I he he become he is so he locks on to um, receivers way too much. Um, a lot of the interceptions when you see it. It like you you see them coming a mile away and you know exactly what throw you're like oh my god this is going to be intercepted because he just his head never moves um uh-huh. and so you know that kind of stuff like you know it's hard to know if that's are those just simple bad habits was that the structure of the offense because maybe there weren't too many reads maybe you know maybe his second and third guys weren't very good i mean you know, he wasn't he wasn't thrown to Jamar Chase all season long. You know, he didn't have Henry Ruggs. Like, you know, it it wasn't it's not pretty. So, um, Herbert to me is this is the classic guy who looks like a quarterback, right? Like when you see this guy and you're like, okay, he's six six, two thirty seven. You know, like the the old school. You know, I know a football player when I see one GMs are like, that's, that's what I want my quarterback to look like. And then, I don't know. I think when you, you get into it a little more, I just think he's, he, there are some big questions and um, I don't know, I, given him the benefit of the doubt with the coaching, I think you can definitely write off a lot of problems with just that. So if you get him in a place that's maybe consistent, um, I mean, he's definitely got the size. I mean, he's not the, you know, He's not the thickest guy in the world, but, uh, and like you said, a couple injuries and stuff like that. But again, I don't know, broken femur and collarbone, it, that, that might just be weird stuff. So, um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that guy, I guess that's one of the knocks is the list of injuries, uh, throughout his career, maybe at, uh, attributed to slight build. So, you know, but he's 21. Maybe if, if he puts on, you know, the right kind of weight in the NFL, I mean, maybe that stuff goes away. So, so yeah, very interesting prospect in Herbert. I think, um, if he ends up being the best quarterback out of this draft, I will not be surprised. And if he ends up being a guy that, you know, is kind of maybe in his third year, it's kind of like Derek Carr, where you're just like, God, I can't, I can't believe this guy ever was good. And I can't believe he's still playing in the NFL. I won't be surprised uh, about that either. So. I agree. I, I agree because he has all the t- traits to make him a, a franchise quarterback. He also has all the traits that don't allow you to be a franchise quarterback, including, like you said, relying on your receivers too much and shying away in big games or just not performing as well as you'd want him to in big games. Right. Um, I watched the, I think it was LSU game today. Uh, no, 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 never mind. It was Jake Fromm LSU I watched, which leads us right into that, actually. Good job. Way to, way to dig around and mess up, Chandler. Great segue, great segue. Jake Fromm, the number four quarterback. And I'm actually, this is, Fromm's one of my quarterbacks. He's not my diamond in the rough. Everyone knows who the hell he is. But he's one of those quarterbacks that I can just, I can truly see being an NFL starter for a long time. Uh, Today, I sat down specifically to watch his Notre Dame game Hmm. and to watch his LSU game. I they his his worst like most 
consensus is that his worst film is the LSU game from this year. Okay. And I will speak to that. He had two very bad interceptions, both to the same kid. It wasn't Fulton or Dope, but I don't, I cannot remember. Number 24. First interception he threw, left sideline, go route. He threw it, a catch that's probably made 75% of the time. Because he threw it right on the back of the cornerback's head. You know, it's not a bad spot when there was no separation between the wide receiver and the cornerback, which is not the quarterback's fault. But he still threw it down there, which is his decision. He put that right where the back of the helmet would have been, where, you know, 75% of the time the receiver will jump and kind of like reach over the player and come down with the ball. That's a, that's a play that happens pretty often. But the cornerback turned his head at the last second like you're supposed to do but it's becoming a lost art and he picked it off I and mean, he turned his head right at the last second so it it was a bad interception and it just started a landslide of a shit show lsu throwing up crazy amount of points his second interception that game was an out route that he totally just he stared it down from the start they were in shotgun he stared to the left side right away. 24 jumped the route. Everyone knows what that looks like. It's just ugly, and it can turn into a pick six real quick. Luckily, he was grabbed by the receiver. Hmm. But So he did look bad in that game. However, his stats would have been tremendously better if his wide receivers would help him out one damn time. I watched that game, and three times before his first interception, it was a beautiful ball. That they would just drop or not, just not get to. Um, one specifically in the end zone, led him perfectly. Only the receiver could get it. Receiver laid out, but it wasn't like a you know it wasn't all out dive. It was like a get down lower kind of dive out a little bit. Just dropped okay. it right through his hands. Just I, it just it drove me nuts. But moving on to his Notre Dame game, he was. And I thought he was phenomenal. I don't have his stats up from that game. But real quick before I get into this, Jake Fromm, career numbers are 63% completion percentage, 78 touchdowns to 18 interceptions, 156.2 rating. Those are pretty good numbers. Uh, obviously, the problem is he's had weapons like Calvin Ridley and DeAndre Swift Great left tackle, great – not great left tackle, man. Great offensive tackles, great offensive line. I wish he would have stayed a senior year with um, Todd Munkin going there because Todd Munkin with a great offensive line can really get his vertical game going. But anyway, some of the 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 thing, the four things that stood out to me in this Notre Dame game, two positive, two negative. The positive – he read his progression so nicely in the Notre Dame game. It was like he was playing with absolutely no pressure. When he was, it was two good teams. It was the big CBS night game that week. He was reading through his progressions like like he was reading a book. It was so simple for him. He, the, so many times he would throw it to the third receiver, which I'm not saying most quarterbacks can't do that, but in a big game, college quarterbacks tend to start staring down their guy happens a lot. And then his ball outside the numbers, John. Oh, my gosh. Even his deep balls that aren't outside the numbers. 
they're absolutely phenomenal. He, I, I am 100% on board with saying Jake Fromm has the best throw outside of the numbers on the sideline in this draft class. 100%. I would, I would put all my marbles in that pile. I don't care how crazy I am. Yeah, you're always loose with your marbles. That's yeah, for sure. I am. I'm throwing my marbles everywhere. <laughs> the two bad things I picked up on watching his games, which this one isn't really on him, but just like Oregon, Georgia run ran a lot of screens. And when the defense knew the screen was coming, he would still throw it right to his receiver instead of throwing it into the ground, which doesn't seem like a lot until it's second and six. You're at the 30-yard line. You're in field goal range. And then you throw it to your running back. He gets a 10-yard loss. And now you're out of field goal range. You have to press it on third and 15. And you throw an interception. Game over in the NFL. I know it's a very severe case, but it happens a lot. And so that was something that worries me. Uh, him not being able to process whether he should throw it in the ground, basically, in front of his running back's feet or not. And the last thing. His his intermediate throws to the middle, like 15 to 25 yards to the middle. There were four of them in the LSU-Notre Dame game. He went 0 for 4. All four times the receivers were wide open. And when I say wide open, the defenders were not in shot. He underthrew every single one of them and hit third. That that was just weird to me. Um, I don't think that's a huge factor. Um, I don't know the last time I didn't see a defender in the middle of the field at all 20 yards deep in a football game unless you're playing the Patriots who cover zero blitz you every single play of the game uh they have pretty good cover corners Mm -hmm. anyway that's that's my that's my Jake Fromm thing I think he's going to be really steady I don't think he'll ever be an elite quarterback I don't think if he gets playing time he will be a bad quarterback I definitely feel a Jimmy G vibe from him where Give him the team, and he'll be average enough to not lose you games. I I know that's a that's a real hard right hook at Jimmy Graham. I mean Jimmy G for no reason, but every statistic like every okay I'm gonna go from PFF. You know their grade on Jimmy G is just below average to average, and it's because he doesn't make terrible mistakes and he has a great running game and a great defense. You give Jake Fromm that, and I really think he will be a, he will be good enough, just good enough. But he'll never be better than that. He's just, blah. He's like milk. You don't ever. What's your favorite? What's your favorite like thing to get from the grocery store? Oh, it's milk. No, nobody says that. But everybody gets milk. Every he's he's milk. Two percent skim whole milk. There's so many varieties. It's he's, awesome. He is. He is skim milk. You know, he oh, nobody God. really wants it, but people get it. That's that's what he is. He's he very, is. He's, he's very white. He's, he's way too watered down. <laughs> he's way too watered down. He's way too white. Get him out of there. He didn't get any tanner being in Georgia. I don't understand it. No, but that's that's my Jake Fromm thing. I'm pretty high on the kid if he goes to the right system. If he goes to a place like Miami. You know, maybe their last pick in the first round or one of their picks in the second round. He doesn't have a fighting chance. He can't be the playmaker like these other guys have been. Yeah, um, I I think that is a uh, that's a real that's a near perfect assessment. Um, I completely agree. Almost everything. Um, 
So I guess uh, statistically speaking, you know, 63% for his career uh, completion percentage, um, you know, that's fine. That's, that's, you know, kind of where you want to see it. So no big deal. Um, yards per attempt were okay. Adjusted yards per attempt, uh, one, one season of 10.1. So that's great. Um, you know, 78 touchdowns to only 18 picks in his career. Um, you know, I don't know, like, but not one 3000 yard passing season in college. Yeah. Like that's almost seems impossible. <laughs> and I know it's the SEC and I get it. Like, you know, you're, you're playing better defenses and, and, you know, maybe you just don't, you have, De you know, Deandre Swift and you're running the ball and, but I don't know that, that, so my issue with Jake Fromm is that first of all, he, he just, I kept waiting like, okay, so you're a good prospect, huh? Well then let's see it. And just waiting and waiting. And it's like, there just never was that game where you're like, wow, you know, if Jake Fromm just went out and won that game, you know, like, you know, just didn't see it. And he doesn't jump off the page with anything. Um, so, uh, I guess, the negatives for me. Um, so his Everything. accuracy is good. <laughs> no, he does have, well, I'll get to you. You said it perfectly. I'll get to that in a second. Um, his, his accuracy is good, but I don't think it's, I, I think it's on short throws. Um, you know, I don't, he's not a deep ball thrower and you know, you're seeing that because he's completing 67%, you know, in his uh, sophomore year with 2,700 passing yards. Like, on 300 attempts, what do you, you're not pushing the ball down the field. This is not someone who wants to, you know, is going to throw the ball down the field. Um, and I, that, I think that's because he, he can't, I don't think it's like, you know, he's trying to, he, he doesn't because I don't think that's where his strengths are. And I, I think he knows it. Um, so, you know, you're not going to, if I, in today's NFL, you have to be able to push the ball downfield, even if you're not hitting those shots, like you have to take them. Um, and, you know, preferably they land, they fall incomplete. If you're not completing them, obviously you're hoping you're not, you know, a lot of long punt interceptions. So, um, when he, gosh, so I guess as far as like, um, knowing where to go and things like that, control the offense, I think he's okay with that kind of stuff. And he seems, it looked like they really gave him, um, a ton of leeway, you know, uh, audibles and things like that, calling plays on the field and, and, you know, being able to change plays. Um, I think that they were okay with letting him run the offense and he seemed like he had a good gra uh, grasp of that. So that's obviously a very good thing. But like I said, accuracy stuff, throwing the ball down the field. Um, I just, I don't, I, he doesn't really stand out, uh, anywhere. And that for me is a really big problem, but like what, what you said is, uh, perfect. It, this is a guy who, if he lands with the right coach, he could be a fine quarterback. Um, and you, what you said about uh, Garoppolo, that's not a knock. That's who he is right now. Like, you know, he lost his season last year to the torn ACL. He, you know, he, he played a couple games in New England when Brady was hurt, and then he went back to being a backup. Like, you know, he hasn't had a ton of time to really play you know, and develop yet. And he came from an FCS system. Granted, he's, he's probably the best FCS quarterback in, in the history of that, you know, division. Um, and personally, my brother was uh, coaching at Eastern Illinois 
the two seasons that uh, Jimmy G's junior and senior years. So I got to see a ton of his games and you just didn't see anything like that. I mean, this, that kid was unbelievable. He threw, just, there was no stopping him and control the offense, arm strength, everything. It was really impressive. Anyways, um, a lot of fun to be able to watch him. I really wanted the Browns to draft him like in the second round of that draft. And when New England took him, I just about died. I was like, well, that's now I know he's good. So that pisses me off. But, um, but anyways, so, but Jimmy G, you're right. He, that's who he is uh, against in the wild card or the division game against Minnesota. He had like two passes in the second quarter. He almost threw a pick to a, a, a dropping linebacker that was like, you know what like quarterback 101 like don't throw that ball and he threw it and then he did throw a pick uh to the same thing and i think shanahan called 11 or 12 run plays in a row after that and you know he's just sitting on the sidelines going look we we can win the super bowl if this guy doesn't lose the game for us and there's nothing wrong with that like that's knowing who your player is and what he is capable of and furthermore what he cannot do and so if you, I was just thinking that if Jake Fromm ended up like in New Orleans with Sean Payton, where maybe he sits one year behind Breeze and then Breeze is going to retire or whatever, um, you know, that offense is perfectly suited for somebody like Fromm where you've got two running backs that are fantastic. Uh, the, the play calling is really good. Um, the, the, the throws are close to the line of scrimmage. I mean, Michael Thomas caught you set the record and he was like third in yardage for receivers this year. So, you know, it's the average depth of target is not, you know, it, it's not high and that's by design. And now maybe some of that is because Breeze's shoulder is, you know, he's 40, whatever, 40, 41 years old. So maybe he just can't throw it downfield as much, but, but if you can exist in the NFL, you know, on an offense like that, like, I think, I just think that you made a really good point that this is a guy, if he ends up on a team where the coach understands who he is and what he's capable of and what he cannot do. He could be fine. If he doesn't, he will be a bust for certain that this is a guy that you will be like, wow, this, they really, you know, he's, he'll be out of the league in three seasons. He'll be a backup. And then he will, you know, that second contract is, you know, he'll be, he'll be on ESPN's get up uh, sitting next to Jalen uh, Rose. So. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. He probably be pretty darn good at that. Pretty charismatic, sure. charismatic sure. kid, but we'll just go right on to the next quarterback because we're reaching the 50-minute mark. About uh, Jacob Eason is the next quarterback on ESPN's list, and I have another great comparison for you that's even better than Jake Fromm being milk. <laughs> so, real quick, another guy I sat down and watched today because I – he intrigues me, both good and bad. Beautiful. Pros, this is super simple. Big arm. I mean, if you know college football, if you have studied these guys, and if you haven't, that's fine. But everyone knows Jacob Eason's got a cannon. I mean, a rocket. Uh, the the easiest comparison is like a Big Ben when you first look at him, 6'6", 240-ish. I think he plays a lot like Matt Stafford. But he's mobile for his size. Again, a Matt Staff like Matt Stafford can move when needed, and he's you know Matt Stafford's a little pudgier. He's not ripped, which is also like Big Ben, but play style is more like Matt Stafford. Anyway, well, I'm about to completely smack myself in the face 
hypocrisy on this one. He waits in the pocket really well for the play to develop and takes the hit late. John, who does that? Um, our friendly friendly people to the east of us. <laughs> uh, this would be the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback? Yeah, so Big Ben does sit in the pocket <laughs> better than probably any quarterback in NFL history because he is a literal bull back there. And Eason does that extremely well, throws off his back pocket, doesn't lose any arc, doesn't lose any touch, doesn't lose any power. It's something that's something that you can't really teach. You either have it or you don't. The ability to get hit in the face, landed on by a three hundred pound man and make a throw. Um here's my biggest pro for him. Uh, so those of you that don't know, I know John knows, Utah's defense was pretty damn good this year. Extremely good, actually. Uh, they played, Washington played Utah. They threw on three fourth downs. Three. They were all fourth and third or shorter. They threw it. That's pretty telling. When you trust your guy in a biggest game of the year, it was at the biggest game of the year at that point, to throw it against that defense who's just loaded across the line. I mean, they'll have a ton of players drafted this year. Um, he completed all three of the passes. His final fourth down pass, and I'll, I'm going to write this up in an article because I'm going to do an article about Jacob Beeson because I, I'm really intrigued by him. I'm really intrigued by Jordan Love too, which we'll get to in a minute. The final one, he's sitting in the pocket, gets about three seconds, doesn't have anything, so he rolls out left. Doesn't have anything. He's just sitting there. I think it's Leaky. F F I don't know how to pronounce his name. The the big hoss with the big, the big. I'm gonna. I'm stereotyping where he's from. He is from Hawaii, Samoa. One of those. One of those island chains definitely <laughs> is. I mean, his name and his hair. He's from there. Okay. He's Dwayne Johnson's cousin. No, I'm making that up. <laughs> Coming right at him. And for those of you who don't know, this, I think it's Fotu. It's pronounced something like that. He's a okay. second-round pick or better. He's humongous, 300 pounds, running straight at Jacob Eason, and he just sits there. And I'm, like, getting nervous watching a replay, knowing he didn't get injured. I'm, like, throw the ball, like, tapping my desk, getting nervous. He throws it as he's getting smoked. So his arm is at full extension. And this guy hits him right in the rib cage. John, I don't know many quarterbacks that take that hit and get up and just keep playing. Didn't even like shake his arm or anything. Just boom. I'm right back. And he completed it. Just fit it right into a window that you have to have a rocket to have. So like Jacob Beeson to me is this Matthew, Big Ben, Allen the combo of he's huge he'll take a hit and he's got a rocket i mean just a rocket i know that's like he's taking three quarterbacks and making a comp like that's not fair but that's just i i didn't have he's a completely strange kind of like comp but he does have flaws as one usually does his biggest one is he often puts way too much zip on the ball i mean way too much zip any of you that watched the Combine last year, I can't remember. Oh, okay. It's Tyreek Jackson, the Buffalo quarterback, 6'7", 
250 pounds, a monster, was just doing the simple throw, you know, 10-yard cross the field throw. And Steve Smith, the great Steve Smith, had to go over to him and say, hey, yo, they're not watching how hard you throw the ball. They're seeing if you can adjust and make a damn pass. That's what Jacob Eason does a lot, and his receivers drop it a lot. Um, and also, oftentimes, way too often, actually, he tries to make too much happen. You know, he knows he's got the big arm. He's been waiting forever to get that starting position. He sat behind Jake Fromm. Tries to make way too much happen. And against uh, Utah, he underthrew an out route super badly. I didn't watch enough game. I didn't watch every game, so I don't know if that's a reoccurring thing. I'm just throwing that out there. The last thing about Jacob Eason, I have a story, and then I have my comparison, and we'll get to you. This is a true story. I'm just going to read it to you. Eason's father played wide receiver for Notre Dame, but uh, he made his son, Jacob, play offensive line on purpose. He already knew how talented his son's arm was, knew he was going to be a quarterback, but he wanted him to have a full understanding of the duties of the individuals that were responsible for protecting him. As he became older, his talent was undeniable, and now he was wise enough to understand protections in other positions outside of the quarterback. That's a pretty cool story. Hmm. Yeah, I, I wow. really like that. You, you, wow. I mean, it makes you respect because offensive linemen and defensive linemen get just no love. You know, people say they do, but they don't. Um. But, yeah, so that's Jacob Eason. Uh, he, s- super big arm. Unafraid of anything. Uh, he's mobile for his size, but he tries to do too much. He struggles. He struggled with his progressions a bit, even though he sat in the pocket. It was kind of to let one player develop, but he did all right. And my, my this is my, um, what you call it? He's Jake Fromm's milk. Jacob Eason is. You baseball fans out there and Indians fans, I am sorry for doing this to you. He is a Roldis Chapman. <laughs> so I actually went to – it was a Roldis third game pitching in the MLB. Wow. Everyone was calling him the Cuban Rocket, I think, at that point. Cuban Rocket or Cuban Missile. So that I cannot believe that they called him that. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> he was throwing 104, 105, and we're just going nuts. But – for whatever reason, because Cincinnati is poorly poorly ran. Sorry for you, Cincinnati fans. Who I got in an argument today, John. We'll do this on a different pod. Somebody, his name's Alex Shear. Yeah, I'm calling oh, you out, Alex. That told guy. me was trying to tell me that they could get Lindor for Senzel and Jonathan India, and I I wanted to what? scream. Reds what? fans are the Browns fans at the MLB. You delusional psychos. I know how it is. One, I can see myself in you. But anyway, so they had him as a starter. They weren't developing him. He was just a thrower. He wasn't a pitcher. He was just throwing wild, throwing wild darts everywhere. Some would hit, way more misses. Chapman goes to the Cubs. They develop him. They're a great franchise. They can't win. A, they don't win a lot of championships, but they have a great history there. The you know past twenty years of pitchers. Gets there. 
They put they make him w- the best starter in the MLB that year. They taught him how to pitch, and not that every pitch had to be 105, throw your arm out. He needs to learn how to pitch. They need to send him. He needs to go to a team that he can learn from a great quarterback coach or a great coordinator, a great head coach, doesn't matter. Not that he didn't have that at Washington, but, um, John, when was the last time Washington University had an elite quarterback in the NFL? Washington University. Um, that would be uh, Jesus. Yeah, that that's that's what that's the answer I wanted was just so what's his name? Um, was that Jake Locker? Is that where he came from? Yeah, right, Washington. Yep. And then um, I was thinking Rick Meyer, but he was Washington State. So yeah, so Jake Locker, who uh... yeah, <laughs> I think there's one other guy. I feel like there's one other guy that I can't think of, but. Yeah, basically never is the answer. So Yeah, and you can argue that with a lot. I mean, Ohio State's another one. Ohio State just doesn't have their – Ohio State and Washington are top-of-the-line college football programs who don't have NFL quarterback. It's like not their history. I, that's not a shot at Ohio State fans. I think Justin Fields is going to be tremendous. That's yeah, he's certainly, uh, he's certainly off to a good start, that's for sure. Yeah. So Jacob Beeson is a role as Chapman. He needs to learn how to pitch and not just throw. Uh, I Again, perfect assessment. Um, guys like Jacob Eason, when, when they don't – when they bust, they bust because there isn't a ton of actual coaching, you know, in the NFL. And what I mean by that is if – the NFL, it's they're not in the business of taking a guy that, oh hey, you know, you seem like you have some talents, but you need like I don't know, a ton of work, right? We just we like mechanically, uh, we have to change some things, and you know, we have to break some bad eye discipline habits, um, things like that. Like it, unfortunately, you have to be good right now, and if you're not good right now, we don't have time. Like. These coaches, they get fired if the quarterback's bad, right? Like you you can't, oh, don't worry, you know, GM, just give me three seasons with Jacob Eason and I'll, you know, like that just, that doesn't happen, unfortunately. So, you know, I think you see there's a lot of guys um, that, you know, probably would have, could have had long careers if someone had just kind of stuck with it and, you know, gave them more of an opportunity and actually coached them up and things. So uh, Eason he definitely has a chance of falling into that category. Um, the His arm is so – Chapman was a good comparison. His arm is so strong. I think what you see a lot with um, with strong-arm guys like this is that they have been so – like throwing a ball has been so easy for them. Um, you know, getting it to to their target has just been so simple that they don't need to incorporate – like good footwork, they can throw, you know, from any platform and get the ball where it needs to go. Um, so a lot of times you see a lot of laziness with that. You see guys that, um, you know, they can't, uh, you know, the the base gets too wide or too narrow. Um, you know, they don't have, uh, you know, any kind of um, like real sense of okay, you know, like consistency over and over again. You know, you you. Um, you know, pointing that lead foot where you want the ball to go and making sure that you're, 
um, you follow through and hip rotation, stuff like that. Like um, we talked a little bit about that with uh, the Browns issues this year. We were talking about, you know, Baker Mayfield and why he regressed so much. And, you know, I really think a lot of it was his, he wasn't pulling through on his hip and, you know, he, um, I think that was just some laziness and things like that. And that's most likely correctable because it wasn't, it never was an issue before. So should be something easy to fix. And maybe the same thing can be said about Easton. Maybe somebody brings him along and says, look, you know, whatever team drafts him, uh, most likely not going to be asked to start, you know, day one. Um, and, um, so he should have plenty of opportunity and maybe, you know, his, this summer and then this rookie season, he has an ability, you know, the opportunity to, um, you know, to work on footwork and things like that. And, um, you know, staying on platform and making sure that he, you know, pulls through on his hip and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, I, I just think that, you know, that, that could derail him. If anything does, it'll be that, you know, he's going to land in a spot where, you know, he's not with a coach who really has the kind of time or really inclination to work with someone who really needs that kind of work. Um, real shame too, because obviously the injury at Georgia, you know, I mean, we, you know, maybe Jake Fromm ends up transferring because Eason, if he doesn't get injured, he just stays, you know, as the Georgia quarterback. Um, you know, his freshman season was obviously erratic, but I mean, he put together a 64% completion percentage uh, at Washington this year, 23 touchdowns, eight picks. I mean, you know, it, good, like nothing, you know, nothing phenomenal, but he, I mean, 400 attempts, he threw for 3,000 yards, 31-32. So, um yeah, things to like, you know, in this, these down in this tier where we are now, these are going to be more of the, you know, like I said, these are not, you know, this guy's, th these names aren't being called, you know, in the first 10 picks. Um, so, you know, there are warts with all these guys and it's just, are they going to land in a patient spot and will they land with someone who, you know, can work with them and get the best out of them? So if he does, he's got a chance. He definitely has the arm for it. That's for sure. Um, you know, big boy and, um, you know, hopefully the injury history is just a little bit of, you know, weird fluky stuff, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, it should be a very like, um, uh, what did, uh, oh yeah, McShay called him the wild card of the 2020 class. And I, I think that that's probably the best description of, uh, Jacob Eason is that just, again, the, the range of possible outcomes is just everything, you know, every possible outcome seems available to him. So hopefully he lands in a good spot. Absolutely agree. That's, the wild card of the draft is that's a perfect that's exactly what he is i'd say the other wild card is jalen hurts and in my opinion but Definitely. we're not going to jalen hurts yet because espn has him ranked below jordan love i don't know that i agree with that i actually really like jalen hurts but i also really like some of the things jordan love does uh he's another guy i just watched recently and to, to put it into super simple terms, I am not going to talk about Jordan Love at great lengths. But I have never watched a quarterback that jumps off the tape so poorly, but at the same time makes me want him as my quarterback. He has some of the worst plays that you can imagine a quarterback doing. And at the same time, he makes some plays that 95% of college quarterbacks can't make. His ability to improvise is outstanding. I don't really know 
Utah State's front five, I don't think they're very good. But they were not able to block for him for a very long time. And he was still able to get outside of that pocket and make plays happen. Fantastic arm. He is a hard-ass worker. They run a very fast-paced offense uh, where they were not huddling a lot. So that worries you because the NFL is just not there yet. And he, he makes terrible decisions. And then he wows you with talent that just you just you don't see. I I don't really have a comparison for Jordan Love. Maybe you know he's like running with the Bulls. It's pr- probably gonna go bad, but you might have a great time with your friends. Don't get stabbed in the thigh with a giant horn, and then go drink a few beers after a win. That, I, I guess, yeah, off the top of my head, that's what Jordan Love is. He's running with the Bulls, most likely going to go bad, but something great might come of it. That, that, that's all I got on Jordan Love. I Very interesting, but I don't know. Yeah, he's uh, he's definitely uh, he's physically gifted. Size is fantastic, 6'4", 225, um, you know, uh, I mean, like you said, he jumps off the tape. That's for sure. I mean, the, the tape you caught up and sent to me was really intriguing. I mean, the the what was it? The BYU game. Um, yeah. It was. Um, I mean, he he just. I, I think he will. He will be intriguing because he's the kind of guy that GMs just can't get away from, right? Like, like he's the opposite of uh, if if. Jacob Fromm is, is skim milk. Uh, Jordan Love is flaming hot Cheetos. Like <laughs> you're like, okay, I like my fingers are burning. I think I rubbed a little bit of the dust in my eye. My eyes tingling, but I can't get enough of this. Like let's let's give me some more. So, he needs some. He needs some Jake Fromm to cool his tongue. Exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, he just he when he when he does things good and well, he really does them well and you know, really impressive. The 2018 season was, you know, fantastic. I think it was 32 to six touchdown interception ratio. Um, yes. You know, really, really hit the scene hard. And I mean, just um, mobility, athleticism, he is uh, mechanically sound. He's, oh, his release is really fast. That's something Super that's really going to play. Yeah. That's really going to help him out in the NFL, obviously. So, I mean, he's got good size, so it's not like he's, a small guy that can get rid of the ball fast, so he'll make up for it. Um, yeah, his but, ability uh, to get out of the pocket and make that sidearm quick throw. Oh, Woo. yeah, yeah. He is. Uh, it's going to come down to um, decision making, um, and just like little things, you know, eye discipline and um, you know, timing, progressions. You know, just the probably more of the um, just the the. He hasn't played a ton, you know what I mean? So he just needs the the study part of the game, you know, to to come to him a little bit more. And that just comes with, you know, reps and practice and stuff like that. So it's not like it's anything that he can't do. I mean, we don't think. And he's certainly going to get the chance because of his athleticism and his size. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think, I don't know, not to sound like a broken record, but you, you know, the, the landing spot is just, it's, it's everything. It's everything. So, you know, you get him to a place where you know somebody can take advantage of the fact that he's you know he might be the best athlete on the team um 
you know, but needs needs that study part, needs to just really learn, you know, the position and make sure that he kind of hones in, you know, it's it's not um what's it called? He's not just relying on his athleticism every play, like he's just, you know, he's actually, you know, he's beating the game through the with the, you know, the mental side of it and everything. So um I don't I mean, no reason he can't do that. So um you know, I mean, obviously, uh, had a uh, he ran into one hell of a Kent State Golden Flashes team in their bowl game this year, and uh, they uh, they took the L in that one. Um, so, which by the way, just uh, for everybody out there, the uh, the um, Frisco Bowl trophy is going to be presented to the Kent State football team uh, this Friday night during the uh, men's basketball game at halftime. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, congratulations, congratulations again to those Golden Flashes. And to uh, Coach Tom Kaufman. So Tom well Kaufman, done. man, is he related to you, John? Uh, funny enough, uh, he is. Yes. So um, yeah, that's my <laughs> uh, mi hermanito is how we say it in uh, the east side of Cleveland. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, but um, I mean, I think that was a that was a pretty cool moment getting to you know obviously watch that bowl game with you know great interest um, and and seeing you know, kind of the, not, not the downside, but he, you know, he, I mean, they lost that game and it wasn't, he didn't have a terrible game or anything, but it also wasn't, you know, this future NFL prospect, maybe the third or fourth quarterback taken, you know, just, you know, ripped uh, Kent state, you know, a new one in that bowl game like that, that didn't happen. And so, you know, part of this, you know, Jordan Love's story is that his entire 2019 season was much worse than the year prior. Um, and maybe like you said, maybe that's offensive line play. Maybe it's, you know, pass catchers. I mean, they didn't, they're not going to, they might not have another guy drafted. So, you know, uh, there's something to be said for that, but the bottom line is, uh, it could definitely be, um, you know, he's athletic as hell. And if he just, if everything else comes uh, together, he, he could, uh, he could be something that's for sure. Absolutely. They, uh, if I'm going to be reasonable and you know don't start now i know exactly (laughs) scary it's a scary thing for me to say if i'm going to be reasonable but the the odds for a guy like jordan love are not good they're not good at all uh you know i'd say that the odds for jacob beeson are much higher than jordan love uh just be i don't i don't know that's that's me being subjective i guess jacob beeson just has some stuff that he has almost as much eye-popping stuff but a lot less head-scratching film but mm-hmm. on to a guy that has almost no head-scratching film at all Jalen Hurts who's getting no love why, why can Jalen Hurts find no love this man as a freshman did they win? I think they won that year 2016 yes because Alabama won the championship in 2016 because the Cavs did too it's the Cleveland Alabama curse. <laughs> um, a freshman. I remember. Yes, now I remember it. I was an 18 year old freshman in college, and I'm watching an 18 year old freshman in college win the national championship game. And I was just sitting there eating a bag of Doritos on like my seventh plate of buffalo chicken dip. Like, where am I going in life? And then he comes back that next year. And he throws 17 touchdowns to one interception. That's a crazy rate. He loses his job that game, that year, to one Tua. 
And the next year, he sits patiently, doesn't get to play. Doesn't get to play. He goes, where, where am I going to go? Oh, maybe to the coach that has produced two um, Heisman Trophy winners in a row. Uh, the most prolific offensive coach in football right now. That's where he goes. He throws 70% and 11.3 yards per attempt. That's mm. – John, I know I don't have to convince you on Jalen Hurts, but 11.3 yards per attempt, 32 to 8 touchdown ratio, and 191 rating. Now, if you remember, I think Joe Burrow was at like 160 or something like that, 150 around there. This- this year? Yeah. His rating? Yeah. Uh, bro, I think 202. Oh, okay, my bad. Hold on, I have it open right here. It's, I, maybe uh, I was reading this 2018. 2018, he was 130, okay. uh, 133.2, and Burrow was 202 last year. Okay. What was his, a- what was his average overall career? Uh, overall, is 172.4 Okay. for Burrow. Okay, yeah. So if Burrow's career is 172, and Hertz is a 162. Like, it, I just don't understand the thought process. Yes, Joe Burrow had a fantastic year. I mean, amazing year. But Jalen Hertz has had a fantastic four years in college football. And three of those, well, two he actually played. Two were in the SEC. Who, I don't don't bring that SEC bias bullcrap into my face. Like. Yes, ESPN loves the SEC, but they also have Alabama and Georgia and LSU and Florida. They have some blue blood programs, Big Ten teams, like Big Ten fans. Like, There's other good conferences out there. Anyway, that monkey's off my back. <laughs> this year he did do it against the Big 12, who, well, we know what the Big 12 defenses are like. Anyway, all that aside... John, I'm gonna let you talk more about what Jalen does and what he doesn't because I know you're a little bit higher on him, higher on him than me. But you will not find a better leader or a better man in the quarterback draft class. That is a fact. Everyone that's been around Jalen Hurts has instantly became a follower. Yeah, yeah. Le- uh, leadership, um, leadership role on the teams. He's on both Alabama and Oklahoma were you know off the charts. Um, I think. You just you Google him and you'll read, you know, 50 articles and not one word about him uh, will be, you know, anybody, any of the people that played with him or coached him saying anything negative. Um, obviously, Nick Saban, you know, couldn't say enough about him in 2018 when he was sitting behind two of the whole year. And, you know, he, he would come in and play, you know, mop up duty and other stuff. But, uh, you know, that's I mean, that's that's not easy to do. And all these guys are transferring to other places, you know, just to go be the man and stuff. And. You know, he took it on the chin and just sat for a year behind, you know, another quarterback at Alabama. So, I mean, he did the grad transfer year, obviously, but, um, you know, because he wanted to play. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just think that the, you know, the those kind of intangibles, the leadership things. I mean, that stuff's off the charts. Um, as far as the stuff that he does well, the reason I really like him is because when you talk about stuff like um, poise. Um, and pocket awareness like these are things that you just have and you know playing quarterback at at alabama i mean i don't i mean they're not developing quarterbacks there i mean so 
this is just stuff that he was just born with. Like he, I mean, his sliding around, you know, in the pocket and stuff just to, um, you know, get him through a little gap, a tiny opening and stuff. He, he had to play this past season where the guy tried to, was behind him and he kind of pulled the ball behind him and Hertz had the ball in both hands behind his back. And the, the D lineman was trying to yank it away and he just pulled it like he got away from that. And it was just such a cool play. Um, but just shows you what he's capable of. And, um, you know, I, I mean, those things, when you have a, a, a kid that can do that kind of stuff, I, I just think that those things are so important because they're just impossible to teach. And if you don't have to deal with that, like, I just think you're so much further along. And if you're, you know, if you're in the prospect category, um, you know, you just, you really are just learning offenses and things like that. And just, you know, making sure that your, you know, decision-making lapses aren't, you know, popping up all the time and stuff like that. Um, I, I don't think he had when like interceptions and stuff, it was just him trying to do too much things like that. I, he wasn't somebody that was, you know, made all kinds of YOLO throws and was just like, I, you know, I don't care. I don't give it, you know, D gaff throws where he's just like, I don't care. I'm just throwing it up. Like, I don't think that was the case. So, um, so yeah, I mean, you know, good career at Alabama, obviously a very good season last year at Oklahoma. Um, you know, I, I don't think accuracy is an issue. He is, uh, size is good, you know, six one two twenty. Um, you know, I, I think that I'm hoping, and when you said about Jordan Love too, I'm hoping that maybe with Lamar Jackson, you know, having the season that he had, I'm hoping that some of these NFL coaches are start to look at, at quarterbacks like Hertz and like Jordan Love and, you know, guys that, you know, and, and loves, I mean, um, Hertz is not like the biggest runner of all, you know what I mean? Like he's not like a super stud running quarterback, but he's definitely mobile enough to hurt you. And I just hope that these coaches realize like, look, if I, if I could utilize that and just throw in a couple plays, a game where, you know, the, it's a, it's an RPO and it's a keeper and the defense, just, you're just keeping them honest. You're just making sure that they are, they realize that if, if he pulls that ball, that, you know, if you don't have somebody playing that right, if that guy is just constantly dipping in and get the the running back, that you know guys like Hurts and Love will kill you. And so, you know, hopefully he can land on a in a in a spot where, you know, somebody can take advantage of that kind of stuff. But yeah, with with Hurts for me, the 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 intangible stuff, the things that he does well, the things that he's really good at, are just things that you don't you can't teach, and that stuff's impressive. And the things where he isn't, you know, super phenomenal. Um, you know, progressions and things like that. And, um, you know, sometimes mechanics, things like that, footwork, that's just, you know, those are reps. Those are things you can coach. Um, so, you know, he learns how to read a defense better. He learns how to make better progressions, stuff like that. It, it, I just think the sky's the limit for this guy, especially with the the mental fortitude that he has, the, the leadership ability that he displays. I mean, the character, there's no issues. Like he's just a phenomenal dude. So, yeah, all, all, I mean, I really, really like him as a prospect, and so hoping he gets a, hoping his name gets called somewhere in the first round, and he really gets a chance to uh, to play next year. That'd be a lot of fun. He's a he's a kid that you root for right away. I know that's a cliche, but like you truly do root for Jalen Hurts. Totally agree. Um, well, we're sitting at about a minute. I mean, an hour and twenty. And I gotta right. get off soon, so I'm just gonna give my quick. A quarterback I like. Most people probably haven't heard of him. 
Go check him out. He's Mason Fine. Plays at North Texas. Oh, yeah. Doesn't have great stats for the teams he was playing, but he is he's put up some eye-popping numbers. In 2017, he had 4,000 yards. Um, and, you know, his career yards, 12,500, 12, 63% completion, 93 touchdowns, 34 interceptions. I... You know, I'm not saying this guy's going to be, you know, NFL starter. I'm just – he's just – it's interesting. 5'11", 190. It's kind of the era of the small quarterbacks. I don't know. I just – I like the kid. Um, Hopefully have more on him on another podcast. I kind of want to dig a little deeper, see if I can even reach out to someone that knows him. But I don't know. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mason finds my quarterback. All right. Um, and my sort of, uh, you know, maybe name to keep an eye on is uh, Jake Luton from Oregon State. Um, so this is a four-year starter. He was an Idaho transfer, uh, 2015 in Idaho, and then had to sit the year. And then, you know, 17, 18, 19 at Oregon State. Um, statistically, doesn't like jump off the page or anything. Uh, didn't have a thousand yard season until his junior year. And then 2,714 yards his se- uh, senior season. Um Accuracy was good, though, 62% for his career. So, you know, nothing phenomenal or anything like that. But um, but interceptions, four his freshman year, four sophomore year, four junior year, three senior year. Um, so takes care of the ball, that's for sure. He is uh, 6'7", 230. Now, there isn't a huge, you know, once you get to a certain height for quarterbacks, the, you drop off a cliff. There isn't, you know, 6'7", 6'8", guys don't really – do all that well um you know the guys like um um what was the arkansas uh the arkansas quarterback the ryan mallet um who was huge and you know just guys like that like they fall in love with the size and the arm and stuff but then you know but he is not that guy like he doesn't have a, a huge arm in fact his one of his weaknesses is that um he really he doesn't uh, talk about following through, like he, he pulling your hip and making sure to whip your um, your torso around when you throw the ball. Like that's where most of your power comes from, and he really doesn't do that. So if you notice, if you see him play and you notice, wow, he really doesn't seem to, you know, be able to really get the ball down the field. It seems to be married to um, that that you know his mechanical issues when it comes to you know rotating his torso. So. You know, stuff that can be fixed, stuff that can be worked on, obviously, if that's where it comes from. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I just think that this is a guy who he can, you know, probably a day three guy, um, you know, you know, definitely a backup quarterback. Um, but it, maybe with the right chance, you know, he ends up becoming a starter and doing something and just being a guy that, you know, will make it make a, you know, you, you look him up, you know, eight years from now and be like, wow, he Luton played for nine seasons in the NFL. That is kind of crazy. I didn't really, you know, I didn't realize that. But, um, yeah, I mean, this, you know, nothing, probably nothing crazy. And, you know, like I said, he's not going to, you know, he's not going to be drafted in the sixth round and, you know, you know, be the NFL MVP in 2022. But, um, but yeah, just someone that I kind of, you know, after watching some games and seeing, uh, I don't know, just some of the different, you know, prospects that are further down the list he's definitely someone that i thought wow i like like i like him on this list here i think he's like the 13th quarterback and i like him a lot better than the five or six guys you know that are in front of him so um so yeah just somebody like that i think he's probably in the day three tier but he should be right at the top of that you know that tier so something to keep an eye on 
his size is just so intriguing. Yeah. You said six seven. Two thirty. Yep. Yeah. So. Yeah, he. he yeah, man, that's. Yeah, that's impressive. I. He's a little bit bigger than my off the radar quarterback, so thanks for showing me up on that part. <laughs> foot taller than him. We're just going for the tallest guy, right? That's that wins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll take Tyreek Jackson from last last year's draft, but John quarterback wise, that's all I got. Um, like I said, we're definitely going to try to do positional rankings for all you listening <clears throat> weekly. Uh, I might put it out on Twitter what position you guys want next. Probably put that out sooner rather than later so John and I can start not being more prepared but having more finite details, I guess, hopefully Absolutely. on the positions. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I can't think of anything else. John, you got anything to add? Um, no, just that it's uh, what's called, like I said in the beginning, you know, if you um, whether your team needs a quarterback or not, you know, this stuff it matters for everybody. So, you know, pay attention to, you know, the uh, the reports that are coming out and what teams are, you know, who, who they're liking, which prospects are they're, they're getting linked to. And, you know, if you're if your team has a top, you know, 15, 20 pick um, and you, you know, they think they have a quarterback, then, you know, this stuff, uh, this really is going to make a difference because, you know, maybe one of those tackles falls to you. Maybe, you know, a guy like Isaiah Simmons or, you know, some of the corners and stuff, you know, maybe Akuda falls somehow. That would be totally bizarre. But, um, but yeah, so just stuff like that. I mean, you know, all this stuff is intermarried. Uh, and, you know, so quarterback, prospect, running back, wide receiver, you know, I mean, we're going to go through it all. And, um, you know, we'll, uh, we'll definitely give you our thoughts and opinions and make sure that uh, when the draft rolls around, um, these are names you guys are all very familiar with. It's not anything that you're going to be, you know, you'll be sitting next to your buddy in draft day and, and, uh, what's called, you'll be, uh, they'll be going, who, who do they just take? And you'll be like, come on, man. It's, uh, I listened to, uh, Chandler and John's podcast. I heard all about this guy already. So, yeah, exactly. and then the next thing you'll do is tell your friend what, yeah, by the way, why aren't you, why are you not listening to that podcast? In fact, let me share that podcast with you right now so that you can educate yourself and get better, uh, smarter about football. So. Um, yeah, I'm much more of a, uh, prophet, less of a podcaster. So that'll be the future there. Um, yeah. but yeah, I'll throw this into the beginning. When I make the intro to the show later tonight, John, I'll add this in there. But for those of you still listening, you're a real one, first of all, but second off, uh, if you can prove to us a screenshot or whatever, you shared this podcast with a friend and told them to start listening and you have downloaded our most recent episode. If you download this episode and we'll do this for a couple episodes, well, we'll enter you into a drawing of some sort. I think we're going to make up a couple clothing items. So, Oh, very we'll, cool. Yeah. We'll let you choose from it, but very cool. Yeah. All right. So let's, yeah. Get out there. Share know. it guys. Share it. Let people know get in the contest. Not to listen anymore. Oh yeah. But, and, uh, across the board. Yeah. Uh, ATB, sports.net that's where you can find our writing and uh you can find me on twitter at cleveland spider spider with a y yeah i'll put all that in the description of the show and yeah thank you for listening